Welcome to the Auburn Live Podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Hey, how about you, everybody? Welcome to the Auburn Live Recruiting Show. We're going Thursday this week because you know what yesterday was? It was signing day. Mm. Auburn finished the day with uh, class rank number 16. Keith's old ass is stretching. <laughs> but before we get to him, I'm your host, Jeffrey Lee, Senior Recruiting Editor for Auburn Live on 3. If you're not a member of that site, man, I think there's still time to get in that deal. 25 bucks till next September. Do it. We still got some residual coverage from signing day. We will be talking it up, talk, uh, covering what's coming, which is another signing day, plus a lot of transfer news uh, getting heated back up after this signing day. But we're going to talk it all with you. And joining me is uh, there, Mr. Cole Pinkston, Mr. J-Head, and Mr. Swingin' Low, Keith Lieber. How about you, fellas? <laughs> How about you, brother? Mm-hmm. I, can, I, can hear the, I can hear that bat popping. Oh, you know you can. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I'm glad to be here. I'm just trying to – yeah, we've been – I mean, this is a great segue, Jeffrey, because we've been, <laughs> been so busy the last couple of weeks. Now we can sort of start getting back to our normal lives, you know what I mean? It's uh, it's been pretty wild. We we haven't had this much activity. You know, we, I talked to people on other sites in our network, and they're like, "Yeah, it's pretty slow. We don't have much to write about on signing day." But for us, <laughs> it yeah. was nonstop the day before, the week before, two weeks before, and it's been a it's been a challenge. Let's put it that way. Well, it's, it's not going to slow down. I don't think. I mean, it will slow down, but I don't think it's going to come to a halt. There's still a lot to be done. Auburn had how many how many signees yesterday? Nineteen. Nineteen plus oh, yeah, yeah, from yeah. Fairweather. Nineteen. Fair so twenty twenty one total, Jeff, so that's what twenty four more to go, maybe. Twenty one <laughs> yeah. total. Nineteen plus Fairweather is twenty. Who's yes. the other? Oh, so well I guess it was eighteen then, because Fairweather didn't sign. We've only got twenty in the class right now, right? McAllister too. Uh yeah, McC- McAllister signed to give us nineteen. Or no, give us eighteen. God, hold on, man. It says it right on the commitment page. Yeah, <laughs> but, I know. I, I'm, but, I'm going basically, to it right now. But basically, whatever the whatever the number is, given that Jeff has been reporting, Jeffrey's been reporting, that, that, and me too, that they could sign up, take up to forty five high school JUCO and portal. Then, if you look at it that way, there's still a half a class to go. So they knew that. You know, he pointed that out in his press conference yesterday that they still had a lot of work ahead. They still had many needs, many needs. He started with one position, and then next thing you know, he's like, "Well, yeah, it's pretty much everywhere." And he's right. That's 20, the status of the program. Twenty one total. Yep. 21 total with 20 signees and Rivaldo Fairweather being the lone signee. I'm, I'm sorry, Jeremiah Cobb officially didn't sign as well. So 19 signees yes. plus Rivaldo Fairweather plus Jeremiah Cobb for a class that ranks 16th. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I think it is. Keith probably thinks it should be higher. Well, I, I think it could have been higher. You know, you, that, that's the thing, I mean, obviously. But, you know, we started talking about this yesterday on the show. Difference makers, are there potential difference makers? Yeah. Deron Reed, Keldrick Falk, uh, Connor Liu. Jeremiah uh, Z- Zavion Miller. He was really he was really raving about Zavion Miller. Jeremiah Cobb, exactly. So mm-hmm. you've got these potential difference makers. That doesn't mean they're going to be difference makers in year one, but down the road, I mean. So look at, remember Harson's uh, transition class? You got Jarquez Hunter, Iku Liotta, Landon King, and there really wasn't—I'm sure I'm missing somebody—but there wasn't Caden, much in there. Caden so, Bridges is kind of yeah. Caden yeah, Bridges. Bridges. So he's already. Just it was forgettable. Very. 
very they couldn't afford to have like a fourth bad class in a row, could they, guys? I no. mean, even with the portal, you can't dig yourself too deep a hole. No. no. Uh, I mean, and you're going to be flipping this roster for the next two years, if I'm being completely honest. I don't think yes. – the reality of the situation is 45 is such a huge number to flip. I don't think they're going to be able to get that many kids. I just don't. I do think that they'll probably be able to get to about 35. I think that's doable with what's left in the portal that you can acquire that's quality talent. Because what you don't want to do is bring on guys, unless they're one-year guys. Well, there you go. That's and, Then they're going to hurt you from Wilson. a roster management standpoint. Well, you know, yeah, there, I could see some one-year guys coming in. With, in, in the next way, after spring practice, when guys realize, hey, I don't like my new coach. Let me look around. I got one year left. Let's, you know, go out with a bang or, you know, whatever. They still may need to bring in two portal QBs. They may need a guy like, uh, what was it, Grant? Grant? Loy. Uh, Grant Loy. They may need a guy like that, too. I don't, I don't know because we don't know. I mean, Holden Gurner may go through spring practice and say, you know, this isn't for me. We don't know what I'm saying. There's right. so many unknowns, you know. But I think one probably before spring practice, don't you think? Like one before and then oh, yeah. if you oh. have somebody else leave, then potentially another one. Surely. Surely, yeah. He said he's talking to people, so we're. I'm curious to see who. Well, more than hey, anything, got, oh, more more than anything, uh, the company you're with in, in that 16 spot, you know, you look at the stars, and you don't mm-hmm. have you know 10 or more four stars, but you're with your head of Michigan, who's in the college football playoff right now. You're one spot behind Texas A&M, who was number one last year in recruiting. I had a rough year, but I mean. Still, I mean, it's good company you're in. This is company you weren't in when you were under Brian Harson. You know, yeah, recruiting. Yeah, and I know what they're going to say. If you were talking, if you talked to somebody on Harson's staff, they'd probably say, "Well, they took some guys. This current staff, they took some guys that we could have gotten to." And there's there's some truth to that. But you know, Keldrick Falk, I don't think he was coming to Auburn if if not for this change. Do you guys? No, no. no. I mean, not a chance. Hey, he probably doesn't come hey, back for another visit. Kay and Lee, maybe, because Zach Etheridge, you know, Auburn's secondary coach had worked so hard on him, maybe. But mm-hmm. don't you think Don't you think Hugh kind of got him over the finish line on some of these? You know what I mean? Sure. sure. There's, an energy, there's, an enth- there's an energy and enthusiasm. Apparently, I, I was told that, and you guys probably heard the same thing, that he really zero- locked in on the parents at all these. And by the way, that doesn't work on every kid. But he, that was his kind of mission there. And you know, they didn't, it wasn't all wins yesterday, but I think they got the guys, the, the two the two big wins, they probably needed more than anybody, quite frankly. That was, yeah. That was what I noticed the most from his press conference, Keith, that he was able to name pretty much everybody's parents uh, without having to look at anything. He was just naming them. He was just rattling he, off the names I think of he, parents. I think he pronounced a few of them wrong. Who, there was he, one of the recruits no, he pronounced. Yeah, he, he said Wiley instead of Wilkie. Yes, Wilkie, yeah. Eh. yeah. And he also had an interesting quote. I, wonder, I, I don't know if you guys even watched it. I didn't watch it till today, to be honest with you. I was so tired. But one of them, early on, he said, and Jeff, I think you'll like this. He said, yeah, I just want to thank the media. You guys did such a great job. Well, except for a couple of things that got out that we didn't really want yeah, out. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. Well, there's one way to not have things get out, you know, tell, give us a little heads up. And, and, you know, we might be able to, to accommodate sometimes. But it was just funny. I, it's funny. But he's in, he's in tune. You guys, both you guys have got to, Jeffrey and Cole, I think you guys have got to meet him, right? Yep. I mean, he's, he's like in tune with what we do. Just when he came back. But anyway, Cole, you can while we're waiting for Jeffrey to come back. I mean, you had a you spent some yeah. time with Hugh Freeze a couple weeks yeah. ago when you were over at the complex. What'd you think? What were your takeaways? Well, well, you know, I'm just I'm hanging out there with the other reporters in, in the uh, new facility, in the lobby there, and then 
recruits start filing through and coaches and we're all speaking and then and Hugh Freeze comes up to us he goes hey guys hey guys what what are you hearing what are you hearing how's it going uh, how, how what are guys saying to you you know what's the report I mean, he wanted to know what was going on with these guys because, mm-hmm. you know, we'd been talking to them, texting them, doing all that stuff. He goes, are they, you know, are they liking it? Are they enjoying it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, Coach. I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, there's Coach Freeze just coming up to uh, ask us about everything. That's cool. So I got a lawnmower guy moving behind me here. But, Cole, I, I was going to say, you know, a lot of coaches, you know, they don't ask what you're hearing because they, no. quite frankly, they're, they got big egos, just like reporters have big egos. They, well, I don't need to know what, it, what I, I know what the kid's telling me. But, you know, a really smart coach is probably going to ask people, hey, what's the word out there on the street? You know, what's the, what do you, what's the vibe? Hey, when you're, when you're in Atlanta, are they, they talking good about Auburn? You know, that well, kind of stuff. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. But you can't, but, you, you know, they obviously can't talk about specifics, you know. Sure. Ooh. Well, that, that's, uh, you know, goes back to what you're saying about him being in tune. I just, I think he is. I think he's. Um, I don't think any – I think he's genuine. I mean, these relationships he's making with parents, these relationships he's making with these kids, it, it's something he kind of enjoys, I think, genuinely. You know, and everything he went through at Ole Miss, remember, there were some reporters that caused him a lot of sleepless nights. But in, in, in that experience that he had to go through, and, uh, you know, obviously it was self-inflicted, but it was difficult, no doubt, for him and his family, and, and you know, anybody can empathize with that. But in that experience, my guess is he probably realized, hey, maybe these reporters know <laughs> they do know things, yeah. not just about me, but about everything. I don't know. Maybe I'm just or you know that they can be an asset. They can be an well, asset uh, for you. Yeah, they're not going to work. They're not going to work for you. But you know, you just, you know they, if, if you're nice to them, they're probably going to point you know tell you what they're hearing. Well, you just hit a very interesting point. I think first and foremost, Cole, what you hit on is is that he's a top-down recruiter that's very involved with parents and formulating relationships, which is nice to see. And I, I'm not trying to take a shot at Coach Harson when I say that. It is what it is from that standpoint. And he's no longer employed here at Auburn, and it's largely due to some of the recruiting efforts that were occurring during that time period. But secondly, I think what Coach Freeze understands is how to message through the media which is extremely important when you're trying to formulate a narrative of a brand new regime. Okay. And you want that positive spin to be out there. You want that buzz that we talk about in recruiting. How do you do that? Well, you network through the media, making sure that the media has what they need to positively spin your program. I mean, not like spin, spin, but you know, put that message out there. Yeah. You know, if you and formulate those relationships, it can only be advantageous to your program, specifically this early in his tenure. Well, also, so it, also smart say, by him. it also shows you it's somebody that they're not just in that bubble of their own little athletic facility. Yeah. You got you got to get outside the bubble to know what's really going on. You got to get out there and let me put it this way, guys. How many times do you think Brian Harson drove to Mobile or drove to Birmingham? He's flying everywhere. I mean, you know, how did, did he ever really get to know the people of Alabama? Well, Hugh Freeze's been a high school coach in the South. He knows the people of Atlanta, uh, of, of not Atlanta, of Alabama, well, Atlanta too, but of Alabama. He's, he's not just a guy that lives, we know this, we've seen this through the years, he's not just a guy that lives in that bubble of, of Auburn football and Auburn, you know, the, the team. He's, he's, you know, mm-hmm. Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl has a sense of what's going on. Bruce Pearl knows what tweets are going to tweak people and what tweets are going to get the fan base excited, you know, in tune with people, yep. not just on your staff and on your team. That's right. And, you know, when I was – calling around to all these uh, prominent high school head coaches in the state of Alabama, trying to talk to them. This was during the coaching search. I wanted to ask them about the targets, you know, Lane Kiffin at the time, Hugh Freeze, 
Um, even Matt Rule, they had some opinions there. Uh, one of the coaches told me, look, you, you got to have name recognition in recruiting these days, and Lane Kiffin is that guy. And another guy goes, well, look, Hugh Freeze maybe doesn't have the name recognition with some of these guys, but they'll know who he is after about a week. They will know who he is because he'll make he'll make a point to uh, to get to know these guys, and then they'll then they'll eventually know. He said that's that's not the biggest thing. So I think he's, he's done that. He's talked to you. He's talked to Jeffrey. He's talked to me in the past and and exchanged messages recently. Did the last guy do that with either one of the three of us? It doesn't mean we have all the answers. It just means this guy's looking beyond what's right in front of him. You know what I mean? Well, he was uh, trying to meet with Justin, but. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> trying to meet with uh, Justin and then was uh, let go just a few minutes later. Yeah. yeah. Jeffrey, take back control of this show, man. Yeah, <laughs> what is going on, man? I leave for like two minutes. Oh, come on. All right, look. Let's talk about the guys that they did sign. Uh, we'll, we'll go with some five impact players. Yeah. Five impact players. Cole, I, need, I know you did some superlatives. You kick us off, man. Who were uh, some of the guys that jumped out at you? Some of the signees that you're going to be expecting big things from. And sooner than later, we won't have to say true freshmen or whatever, but sooner than later, man, you think before this – before their times are up at Auburn, that they've made uh, some big noise, kind of like Keith's fat ass swing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to start back with the same guy I keep saying over and over and over, and that is Deron Reed. Yes, I mean, gosh, wow. that guy—he's a game changer. I, I think he's a game changer early. I think he's a guy that can just come in and create chaos. That's something that Auburn's defensive line didn't do last year. I don't, I don't care if it's pass rush or against the run. You've you got to create chaos. Look at Liberty's defensive line. I don't know if you watched them the other day. They lost the game. They were still disruptive and had a chance and led the, t- led the nation in tackles for loss. I mean, that's, that's what you're hoping Jeremy Garrett brings. And to me, Der- Deron Reed is that guy. He's the guy that can cause that. And other than him, you know, um, I was uh, – I was surprised that Hugh Freeze was really, really – he seemed to be high on Quintrell Travis. I like Quintrell Travis. Don't get me wrong, but I have some critiques of him. I think that he's – it's going to take a minute for him to get adapted to the SEC mm-hmm. as an interior defensive lineman. I think he needs a little bit more raw power. I know he's athletic, but Hugh Freeze was really excited about him and thought his highlights were, you know, excellent. So, they didn't haven't planned with him. Say- didn't he say that? Not to interrupt, but didn't he say that uh, the kid he like moved incredibly well? Like they weren't. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. And he does. He does. You can see that on film, no doubt. It's just the, the my worry is if he's on the interior defensive line, is he getting pushed around? Because you can be really athletic and still get pushed around. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I worry about with Keldrick Falk too. Early on, he's got to learn how to win with leverage. He's a tall guy, big guy. I mean, the best frame you could you could create him in a lab, and it wouldn't be that good. You know, athletic, but does he get pushed around early on? You can't get pushed around the SEC. You'll lose. You'll get I run agree. all over. I'm so, still, contu- yeah. I'm still concerned me, about that. To me, Deron Reed is, is the guy that's not going to get pushed around. Huh. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Fair enough. Jay, head you got a couple? Absolutely. I put up a top five impact player list of guys that I expect to not necessarily from day one, but to be impact players at Auburn during the course of their tenure. 
And number one of those was Deron Reed, 100%. I agree with you, Cole. Interior pass rush is such a huge deal. Creating negative plays, pushing the pocket, affecting quarterbacks from the interior, that's, that's such an underrated skill set, and Deron Reed does that in spades. The next person was Keldrick Falk. I think he's raw right now, but he is an elite athlete at the line of scrimmage. You just don't see people that are that big, that long, that quick, that have the ability to collapse the pocket from the outside the way he does. But from a technical standpoint, he's going to need some work. Third on that list was Connor Liu. I absolutely love that kid. I think he's going to be a multi-year starter in the SEC before it's all said and done. He's just a nasty physical presence up front and a guy that can be a leader for you um, that we desperately need. I mean, I think the last effective center that we probably had, oh God, um, Casey Dunn from Jack State, I would say is probably the last truly yeah. effective center we had. I mean, I'm not trying to yeah. knock Nick Brahms, but he was never truly healthy enough to be as effective as he possibly could have been coming out or of high Caleb school. Kim. Don't forget yeah, Caleb, or Caleb Kim. Kim for that matter. Um, after them, you've got two skill players, um, and you can put them in whatever order you want to put them in. But it would be our, our brand new running back who should sign, uh, hopefully, in Jeremiah Cobb, who's an absolute playmaker from any spot on the field. He can house call it. And you need explosive plays in this offense to be successful. And then last but not least, Kay and Lee, who's a very tough and physical boundary corner in my position, in my opinion, gives you some positional flexibility and somebody that can slide inside and play nickel, can also play on the outside. But he's got a winner's mentality and an alpha dog type mentality that you've got to have as a skill set as a corner in this league. So those are the five guys to me that stick out that are non-transfers. I mean, I think transfers are where you're going to make your mark as far as immediate impact. But those are the guys to me that you can build this class off of as far as that's concerned. Mm. Keith, you got three or four yeah. favorites? Yeah, I'll go quickly. Jeremiah Cobb is my number one. Just looking at what you did at Ole Miss with running backs, he likes guys that can catch and run and, you know, all that stuff. So I just feel like Jeremiah Cobb's going to be perfect for what they do. Now, it, it, yeah, year one limited, year two a lot more, year three carry on Johnson type jump in year three. Uh, and if all goes as planned. Number two, Keldrick Falk, because the edge position, you just look back at Gus's years and then Harson's years. The, the two years that were really good, 2013, they had D Ford. And mm -hmm. then 2017, they had Jeffrey Holland. In between, they had Carl Lawson, who was always hurt, right? Poor guy was always hurt. Yeah. Uh, but those were their two best years, and they had a dominant pass rusher both years. All the other years, couldn't get off the field on third down in, in, in a lot of important times, right? Yeah. Um, 2014, if they have any pass rush at all, they win in Tuscaloosa, right? So, uh, so yeah. Keldrick Falk, two, Duran Reed, three, Isaiah Miller, four. And because yeah, Miller, even if he doesn't start, he's going to be in your two deep. And so now you've got mm -hmm. Jeremiah Wright. You're starting to put together the pieces of having a – seven, eight, nine decent offensive linemen now, okay? And, you know, we, we, Kate Johnson's got – he's coming off an injury, um, and he was, you know, okay last year. But he could, he, he's going to get better too. So that's a guy that's at least played in games. And so there, there, there's some pieces to work with here. But Davion Miller, uh, four for me, and then um, Connor Liu would be the fifth one. Yeah. Yep. I, um, I actually have – Nine. Oh wow! Oh. He, wanted I, 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 to cut me, he wanted to cut me to three or four, but he's got nine. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> well, I, I, well, I started. I, I started with 
three or four, and I was like, well, shit, man, I'm going to add him. Okay, <laughs> pretty, pretty. I mean, Keldrick Falk, Duran, Reed, yes, Connor Lou, Sylvester uh-huh. Smith. I like Sylvester Smith. Yeah, I, yeah. I like Fairweather to get in, and I like him to be immediate impact big dog for Auburn. Jeremiah Kopke yeah. and Leah Zavion Miller. Ben Scott, I really like him. Oh, he hasn't signed yet, has he? No, we'll, we'll, we'll cut that part. <laughs> no, I'm just, just kidding. Say, yep. <laughs> he hasn't signed yet. <laughs> Tyler Scott. I like him, too. Yeah, he hasn't I mean, signed yet. That, that, that's, oh, he hasn't? No. Cut that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I like all those guys, too. <laughs> yeah. Good secondary class again. I mean, that's uh, – and listen, that's not a knock on the other guys. Like, I just don't think Clay Whedon will be a contributor to your three. Yeah, 100%. Uh, him or Tyler. Um, Tyler Johnson, absolutely. Yeah. Guys, you can make an argument that Auburn's becoming like, like one of the best six or seven defensive back schools in the country. Oh, 100%. Two guys starting for the Bucks. But are we under sure. – are we undervaluing Colton Hood? A little. I, I think so, because I think he could be a starter at field corner. Well, hey, I guess guess what um, award he won in my pink chips this morning? Most <laughs> most unassuming. Cow chips. <laughs> it's like blue chips, pink chips. You see how it goes. <laughs> we got oh, it. We got oh, no, I missed that. I needed that. I, I explained it in there because I knew people would. But he, he wins most unassuming to me because you you look at him and you go, well – He's probably pretty good. And then you watch him on the field, you go, whoa, okay. Yeah, he's athletic, Cole, for sure. He is Do the, we, uh, confidence about him, I, too. I know we talked about some of the misses yesterday on the uh, on the signing day show. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anybody who missed that show, Auburn did miss out on, a, I don't know, a few. Mm-hmm. Braden Marshall stuck with UCF. Isaiah Jada went to Colorado. Uh, Tony Mitchell stuck stuck with Alabama. Hell, even uh, I wouldn't call this a miss, but Deion Wilson signed with New Mexico State, and again, that was uh, I don't know how you let's not forget Kewan Jenkins. Yeah, but so a lot of those to me are explainable. In that, Braden Marshall was a miss. There's no question about it. We can't characterize it as anything other than that. But when you look at the DB class we brought in, it doesn't really hurt to me, specifically if you land Tyler Scott. I just – there's so many movable pieces there that I think you're doing fine from a secondary standpoint. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, to me, probably because of what it would have signified as a shot across the bow to Alabama, the Tony Mitchell decision to stay with Alabama probably is the biggest loss. And then from a pure need standpoint, and, and this was lost – well long ago, but DJ Chester, I think mm, not being yeah, able to flip yeah. him because of the value that he brings to that offensive line room and raising the floor. I think those are probably your two realistic biggest misses um, in this class. Now there are yep. others, obviously, but I just, those other guys on signing day, I don't feel like they overall affect the trajectory of this team. Whereas those two, those are game changers to me. Missing missing Chester, <clears throat> that's a big one. That is a big one. But at, when, you know, when we were thinking Chester was a must-get in this class, we really didn't know who Isaiah Miller was. True. 
Fair point. And, and that helps. It helps. Uh, you still want Chester, absolutely, but it does help. You know, we always say that, you know, you lose guys when you get a new staff, but then new names come into the fold, obviously. So Hank Brown, who the quarterback, Hugh Freeze, is super high on, and Xavion uh, Miller. Obviously, Jeffrey had written about Xavion Miller a while back. They'd been working on him before this. But then you hire Jake Thornton as your offensive line coach from Ole Miss, and all of a sudden you got this guy. I know that had to be sweet for some Auburn fans to steal one from Ole Miss, but – yeah, I mean, it's, uh, the, the, the misses were – the Mitchell one was more – I mean, look, he's a great player, but that's more about perspective or uh, perception. Mm-hmm. And just, hey, wouldn't it have been nice to – would have been great for our page views too, but wouldn't it have been nice to steal one? But they stole some yesterday. They stole maybe FSU's a top two or three commit from FSU, which has got nine wins, you know, they and, and, and bet the best team in Florida by far right now. And, um, and they also stole yeah. one from Ohio State. You, Cole, you mentioned earlier that – they're right in the rankings with Michigan. Yep. Well, they just stole a guy from Ohio State that Ohio State wasn't letting go of, and they they got him. They got him, and Ohio State's getting ready to play for the, the whole thing here. So, yep. you know, that's a, those are positives, man. You're not going to always win all of them. I mean, if you're an Auburn fan, I was talking to you guys yesterday. Wouldn't it just be nice to have one day where everything just falls in line? It just doesn't always work that way. But you got two big ones, and it shows that they can go toe-to-toe with just about anybody, right? Yes. But there's two other teams out there. There's two other programs out there that now it's time to go get guys from them, and that's Georgia and Alabama. Time's up. It's, it's no more no more second places, right? Yeah, full class starts it, today. It, it, it's time. It's time. If you're going to get to the top, you're going to have to start beating those guys for people again. Gus had some success against them, and then it got, it got less and less each year, and Harson had zero success. Interesting because – by the way, what about the – so Langston Hughes, uh, you mentioned it's not one guy from Central and only one guy from Langston Hughes. After all that work, <laughs> after all that work, and to be honest with you, it, the lowest rated of that Langston Hughes group is the only one that I wanted, other than the than Love. I'm gonna be honest with you, Josh Horton. I think could have been a potential difference maker. I yeah. watched that kid over and over again, and we, God, if we just made a move on him early, <laughs> I, I, I think that's somebody that could have added a lot of value to this class. It's like if he hadn't flipped from North Carolina to Miami before Freeze got there, maybe maybe they get in with him more. But he did, and he was locked in with Miami right after that. So it was yeah, like, yeah, two really good defensive linemen, a few really good offensive linemen, and if you can fill in the blanks in the portal, you can put together you know, building the program and building the team at the same time. I'm I'm I mean if they get this quarterback thing figured out I'm I'm pretty optimistic about it eight wins or yeah. more next year to be honest with you already just to, even with all the holes they still have just seeing the direction they're moving in people are are almost ready to jump for joy about where we where Auburn ended up with this but the quarterback thing keeps you down right now yeah yeah if you had <clears throat> if you had one of those two guys in the class right now the the attitude amongst the fan base, the, the 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 concern level of the fan base would be a lot lower. Keep going back to Tony Mitchell. I think the reason that, that one stung is because it was it was so Auburn for so long. Hell <clears throat> up until midnight of the night before, I think Auburn felt good about where they stood with Tony Mitchell. Mm-hmm. The you know the official visit that he didn't want out there. Um, that one, man. You just got to tip. You got to tip your cap to Alabama, dude. They know how to do this. 
Yeah, they, 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 they really do, Jeffrey. <laughs> well, of course, and if, but, you know, if you're Auburn, you have to know that going in. It's, it's right. going to be tough. It's going to be tough. He's right in their backyard. They sent a lot of guys to that school. Uh, it was going to be tough. But, yeah, perception-wise, it was just – boy, it would have been, been nice for Auburn to say, okay, here's a big win. And you got Robert Woodward last year. You flipped, uh, you flipped him from Alabama. But, you know, in the reality, I think Alabama was going to gray shirt him. Uh, because he was coming off an injury, and you know, obviously he didn't play much for Auburn this year, so that 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 probably makes sense. But yeah, perception-wise, the guy, I, I guess the guy that I have a lot of intrigue with, I don't know if he's going to be a difference maker. I don't know how good he's going to be, but this Hank Brown, this quarterback, because he, I, I love know. quarterbacks. That, I love quarterbacks that win. So, you know, the school I went to, I looked it up one time. All the guys that won SEC titles had won state titles too. It is, hmm. If you were quarterback and you want to, if you won an SEC title, the University of Florida, you would, it turns out you'd also won a state title. Every single one, all, all eight of them, and Damn. and Auburn. And so Cam Newton didn't win in football, but he won in one. Didn't he win something in basketball? In other words, guys that are used to winning and elevating the teams that they play on. So Hank Brown's team wins a state title, right? Um, and Hugh Freeze says, "Hey, this guy can make all the all the throws." I don't. He he, he didn't mince words. Now. Is he just trying to get the fans excited about a guy that's lower rated? I'm sure there's some elements of that too, but uh, regardless of whether he, even though he was at Liberty, he wasn't taking stiff quarterbacks at Liberty. He was trying to elevate that program to the highest level he could, and he did with Malik Willis. So he's got a pretty good track record with quarterbacks. So he said a lot of good things about Hank Brown. I, I hope that kid does well. I, I do, and it's uh, because he didn't have a lot of people after him. And maybe Hugh is. There are just some guys that have this innate ability. You know, I don't like to always say, you know, how many diamonds in the rough can there be in a class, two or three? But Hughes' track record is pretty doggone good with quarterbacks. So well, you, you give him a little benefit of the doubt on this one, don't you? Well, absolutely. And I'll tell you one other team that was after him, and he said it in his interview with me and Cole and, and Hope the other day while you guys were getting ready to crack the, uh, the Keldrick Falk news. Oh, yeah. Y'all weren't there with Hank. He, yeah, Wake Forest. And Dave Clawson has a big track record with undervalued quarterbacks as far as that's concerned. I think Sam Hartman was a, has been a record setter in the ACC, and he was a guy that nobody wanted. I mean, absolutely and, and, nobody. By the way, speaking of Hartman, I, I've been out of pocket this morning. Is he in the portal? Because there's chatter that if he isn't, he's going to be soon. I, I haven't seen his name, Jeffrey. Have you? He would, he'd be a hot commodity, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, he would be. Yes, he would be. Interesting. I think that'd be – now, again, I don't know. That's just chatter I've seen on message boards. I think it's been out there a while that people thought he might look around. But we'll see. Well, his coach did an article with The Athletic where he basically said Hartman and him have had conversations where offers or overtures have been made um, for what his value would be should he enter the transfer portal. So I don't think he's done it just yet, but I think there is a large assumption that if that kid wants to jump in, he's going to get a hell of a payday. That's for of course, sure. He, of course, even if Wake Forest – could match you know he may he's been there like five six years already he may just be like you know maybe i just want to try it somewhere else but anyway that's off the topic but yeah, again maybe. if he enters the portal i think he's somebody that to watch for auburn i really do sure. right but back to hank brown i yeah, after exactly. that interview with him um i went back and watched his tape again and cole i, I would love to get your and jeffrey's opinion here what the kid said to us is is that the thing that he did the best what he thought he brought to the table best was accuracy. And I saw that on tape, accuracy yep. and ball placement. And ball placement is huge because he was putting receivers in position to do something with it after they caught it and or putting it in a position where only they could catch it and not get their head taken off coming across the middle. 
that's a that's a very valuable skill set as far as that's concerned. He doesn't have a howitzer. I mean, he's not Jay Cutler. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, nobody's going to confuse those two from an arm strength standpoint. But I think arm strength's overrated in quarterbacks. I really do. I think you have to have adequate arm strength, but I think accuracy and ball placement are a bigger deal um, for being competitive at the power five level. I totally agree with that because I don't think Robbie Ashford or TJ Finley have a problem with arm strength and they struggle. So that is a great, that's a great point. Jay head. Mm-hmm. I think when no, go ahead, Jeffrey, no, that's it. I, I, I agree with Cole there. I think when a guy has a rocket arm, a good QB coach says, man, what I can do with that. What can I do with that arm? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, right. 30 years ago, the guys like Patrick Nix, Stan White, Danny Werfel, Peyton Manning, uh, they didn't have Tommy Hodson, Whit Taylor. We're talking about some of the best SEC quarterbacks of a 10-year window there. They did not have rocket arms, okay? Uh, it, it, Pat Sullivan won the Heisman. He didn't have John Elway's arm. So I just think sometime, sometime over the last couple of decades, coaches started leaning more toward the guys with the rocket arms because they, they looked at the ceiling as opposed to accuracy and, and what was in between the head. And, and uh I don't know. I don't know if I make it sense. I'll, right. I'll give you. The, I'll give you the best example of uh, of what you're talking about, Keith. You want, you want the best example of please, that? Please, please, yeah. Greg Maddox. There you go. go. I like that from a baseball standpoint. Oh, oh, the pitcher yeah. through 85, 88, book a stick it up a gnat's ass. <laughs> Paint the corners for sure, brother. I mean, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just holler for Keith. Yeah, <laughs> Doc. <man. laughs> yeah. Uh, one of one of the things we used to do when I was a kid, we played at this par three course in my town, and there were holes that went that were straight dog legs, so people get, would hit blind shots, and if they got a shot anywhere near you, you'd fall to the ground. And so when the person came to get their ball, they'd see you laying there like you were dead, you know. <laughs> but uh, but no, I mean I agree. This guy, you know, we'll see. I mean accuracy. Man, I mean, accuracy, isn't that important? Now, for Nick Marshall, it wasn't incredibly important because he, you know, he was completing 58% of his passes, but they were he was hitting deep balls, and he was also running eight yards a clip, too. Yeah. But for everybody else, accuracy is, you know, what if, and, you know, God bless him, Robbie ran his butt off last year and made some clutch throws, too, but overall the accuracy wasn't there. But what if his completion percentage is 59% even, which still isn't great because Auburn win another game or two? Yes. I don't know. I mean, you know they, 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 they beat Mississippi State for sure. Because then when you're more – now, obviously, Hank Brown's not going to run like Robbie Ashford, so there's some yin and some yang there always. They're always – That's true. Like, you know, the 59, that, that sort of sounds like the situation Auburn was in with Bo Nix. You win some big games, but you still can't get over the hump for some reason. Well, and yeah. quarterback play. Let's talk about moving forward, man. What's left in this class? What are the needs? What are the biggest needs and where they're coming from? Uh, you know, high school JUCO guys, it's almost like a big reset, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see who's not signed. Let's see who's worth going after. Uh, and then the problem with the February signing period is, is that every school is doing this. So now mm-hmm. the now the pool of players is so is so much smaller than it was before. So it's going to be tougher to get those guys. Uh, we're definitely going to be keeping an eye on, probably primarily on the transfer portal because Auburn needs those guys a lot more than they need developmental guys out of high school or even JUCO. Uh, we know left tackle. We know quarterback. Yes. Those two those two positions, in my opinion, are one and two. And you could probably make an argument, you know, chicken before the egg here. Um, 
<clears throat> we saw Ra Ra Thomas probably headed elsewhere because he's not crazy about the quarterback situation at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nobody there really that he has a lot of confidence in to boost his career. We'll see what happens. Who knows? He may end up at Auburn, but as of right now, I don't think Keith, Keith, you haven't heard anything new on him. Nah, nothing new. And we're, you know, we're not, the funny thing is this is one we're hearing less from all the Auburn side than the other side. I think Georgia's got real confidence. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah, I so, agree. First, I, you know, look again. FSU had con- real confidence in Keldrick Fox Sunday morning uh, at 10 a.m. Right, so I think we learned not to count you out in any situation. So sure. we'll see. But uh, but left tackle to me is I, I don't care who your quarterback is if you don't have a left tackle, it, it, the quarterback's not going to be able to reach his ceiling at Auburn. Um, yeah. Dylan Wade being that number one guy, it's my opinion. He's he started at Tulsa uh, all 12 games last season with Philip Montgomery. Philip Montgomery now at Auburn, but I think his name is Zach Hansen. Yes, Zach Hansen, the tight end coach, I think, at USC. Coached uh, – he, so him and Philip Montgomery recruited Dylan Wade to Tulsa back in 2019. Uh, Zach Hansen was the offensive line coach at Tulsa from 20 to 21. He's been the uh, USC coach, the past, tight ends coach the past year. So there's a longstanding relationship with Hansen at UC, USC. There's a longstanding relationship with Montgomery here at Auburn. So – be in, and, you know, last night, I don't know if y'all saw this, but he tweeted out yeah. the deuces. Yeah. Uh, not uh, not sure it. what to make of that. Yeah. And I tell you what, if you don't land Dylan Wade, getting Amari Kite is that mm-hmm. much more important now all of a sudden because he, he's been the backup at Alabama for the last two years at left tackle. He's somebody that can give you snaps right away at left tackle. Mm-hmm. You've got to land one or two of those. And obviously, my preference at this point, given the game experience and familiarity with the system, would be Dylan Wade um, and, and the offer list. I think it's Auburn versus SC for Dylan Wade. It's Auburn versus Maryland for Amari Kite. That's, that's my understanding of the situation, and you've got to get one of those two, if not both. Yep. When the, uh, when, when the portal kind of started ramping up early on, it was kind of like guys wanted to get back closer to home, right? That was kind of a big theme, it felt like. Mm-hmm. Is that still a thing, you think? Or is that sort I of fading? So, I think the biggest thing is – so, with transfer recruiting, largely high school recruiting is emotional, right? Like, there's a lot of, like, building a relationship with the kid and, you know, making them feel special and all that other stuff that goes into high school recruiting. With transfer recruiting, it boils down to, like, three things. A, a relationship. Do you know the kid? Do you have an end with them? Two, playing time and development. Yeah. Do you have it? Can you do it? And last but not least, proximity to home sometimes. And fourth, and probably for One. the big-time guys, NIL, baby. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Money. Well, now, Dylan Wade's from Texas, Houston. Um, yep. I was so, looking at that. He's right pretty much – I mean, I don't know if California's closer. It's about right in between. Yeah. Well – Look, look, USC's got it quarterback, and they, they're probably think, they're probably thinking, hey, if they can beef up the defense at all next year, they're going to be in the playoff, and they're probably right. And yep. they're so selling that's, that's, that kid that's, that's a battle. Yeah, that that makes it interesting. Oh, let me and, see this and, drive. And, you know, USC probably has nil money. Now, I'm not saying, saying I'm not sure everybody else in the Pac-12 has as much as them. Oregon, obviously, but uh, you know, having spent a lot of time out there, USC is. For a big city like that, those guys are sort of celebrities, the, the big players on their team. It's kind of an interesting mm-hmm. dynamic. They do, the USC fans are die hard, I will say that. 
I think we were talking about Dylan Wade and Amari Kite having to land one of those two on the offensive line. That being the biggest – I think offensive line right now um, is your biggest need. So you need a left tackle. You need a center. Um, you need a quarterback. Another edge defender in this class. A couple and linebackers. Wide receiver, you can get him? Do what? Wide receiver. Am I a wide receiver? 100%. If you can get a dominant X wide receiver, and I think your hot board has it listed, Jeffrey, is they wanted three wide receivers from the portal if they can get them. But I think they're going to be patient. Yeah. Right now they got two guys. A a guy you could bring in in the spring. I mean, there's no – like, to me, a rush is on the quarterback. You've yes. got to have somebody in for the spring. You do, man. You've got to have somebody other than Robbie Ashford holding Garner, <clears throat> running, taking snaps and throwing balls. I agree, I agree with you 100%. Yep. Left, left, left tackle, center, quarterback, those are your top three positions of need, in my honest opinion, that we have to have. Um, and then linebacker, because of the depth situation, got to have somebody there as far as that's concerned. And, Edra, and, and another edge rusher, I mean – Look, Cole's talked about it. I've talked about it. Trace Ford has an elite skill set at getting to the quarterback when he's healthy, when he's healthy. Um, he played last year coming off of, I think, two ACL surgeries. I think this year could be his bounce-back year if you can get him. I think that's another guy that brings some depth and versatility to your outside pass rush room. Um, so, And then running back. I do think that getting another quality running back in the room right now, you've got three guys. I think if you could get a fourth, particularly of the skill set of the young man we just brought in from Mississippi State, if you can land him, that gives you one more weapon um, for Hugh Freeze to play with to help up the talent or up the floor of the talent on Auburn's roster. So all of those positions, I think, could be heavy, heavy contributors for us next season if you can land any and all of those. We'll be tracking uh, – Trace Ford has not announced yet – Rah Rah Thomas has not announced yet. A lot of guys, Ben, Tom, uh, ben Scott has not announced yet. Yes. And uh, Dylan Wade, Amari Kite. So a lot of a lot, a lot of guys tracking that I think that will be like, – I don't expect those guys to wait. No. A, a lot of those guys said when they left Auburn this past Sunday was, you know, in the in the next week or two. So yes. not not uh, not thinking it's going to take long for those guys. Certainly some some, uh, some guys to keep an eye on. How, let's uh, let's uh, wrap it up here. Let's. Anybody got any how about you's this week? Yeah, let me find mine. Oh, because uh, I, I got a really good shout out the other day, and I want to make sure this person gets their, their their due. I've got two. All right, Cole, lead us off. Give me big sexy for AU <laughs> and Gump Tiger. Okay. Oh, Gump. Yep. Okay. J-Head, you need some more time. No, I got it right now. So, okay. Grimace. And in the thread about the Tennessee whiskey ad, or the Tennessee ad. Yeah. It said, is it true that Ed J-Head gets 100% of the ad revenue for this campaign and refuses to suspend the ad? <laughs> well <Yeah>. done, Grimace. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't get any of the revenue. I wish, but I don't. I'm sure Jay Lee and Keith and Cole are working on getting that taken down. Oh my God, for about yeah, two weeks now. <laughs> yeah, Keith George. I mean, I just think that that guy kind of speaks for all of us. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's, 
You think? You know? <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. Jeff, I, I know got, you got about 20 of them. No, I, I've got Tiger Simp 12. How about you to him? How about you to Jay Lee's bald-ass head? <laughs> <laughs> How about, hey, Keith, you'll like this one. How about at <laughs> Fat Blaster? God. Where do they come up with this shit, man? Here's your better one, man. It, 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 oh, this is old, old school. Uh, at Wardam97, at Jville Auburn T- AU Tiger, at AUMD9392, at Wardam23. How about you to Scoot Newton? Mm-hmm. How about you to Johnny Knox07? How about you to PEJ underscore WDE94? And good. how about you to Obliterati with a three as an E? I don't know if y'all saw this, but he had a, uh, a, a I guess they're called memes. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, <clears throat> it was us three in underwear. <clears throat> and, and thankfully he put me in the middle cause he had, uh, that guy had the, had the bigger, uh, speedo. We'll just leave it at that. I, don't, I can't even look at myself in the mirror, let alone that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man. All right. We're going to wrap it up there, man. We, uh, we're going to take off the next two weeks for the holiday season. We're going to be back January 8th with the call-in show. Uh, I think that's, an, I think the 8th is a Sunday. We'll be back with Sunday with a call-in show. We're obviously not going to be, uh, taking off completely. We'll be providing all the recruiting content at Auburn Live on three. Go check us out. And if you haven't already, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We would absolutely appreciate that. Other than that, man, we're, uh, we, we hope everybody has a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We'll see you back in January. For Cole, for J-Head, for Keith, and for Zach in the back. Mm. I'm Jeffrey Lee, man. Y'all stay out of that left lane. <laughs> see ya. <laughs>